1: Guests appear on the Smile Center hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on
0: 929 FM, ESPN. How about it? Back rolling on the Gabe Coon Show, 929 FM, ESPN. And after a week off, Harold Grater is back. In the saddle on a Monday. He is the associate executive director of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl on X at Harold Greater. Harold, how's it going, man? Good to see you. Not
1: as good as you. I missed you last week. And obviously, I had a really good week, but your week, Quantum Quantum Leap's the week that any of us has. I know you've been talking about it. Right. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Newlywed. As you said, we're back to talk a little football. But so happy for y'all, and uh, glad y'all had a great trip.
0: Have you noticed my sun-kissed skin? Does it look? Yes. does it oh, look? Yeah. Do I look nice Kinda and like tan George, after my after my Saint Lucia what trip?
1: That, what, what was that guys saying? Uh, George Hamilton, the perpetual. Uh, yeah, sun right. Yes. That's you. You look just <laughs> oh, like that. Oh, heck,
0: yes. Oh, why? Thank you. Thank you. I had to, I had to go fishing for that compliment, though. Don't don't ever forget that if you're listening out there. I had to go fishing
1: <laughs> fishing for that one. Um, but what have you been up to? I mean, my gosh. Lots of ball, uh, really busy at the world-famous AutoZone Liberty Ball. You know, this past I see week that. we announced our Outstanding Achievement Award winner, which will also be the main act at the President's Gala. And then at halftime of the game, Memphis legend, the Bar yes, will be perfect. this year's entertainment as they perform the music that made Memphis. Of course, that's some of their music, some of the other iconic Memphis tunes like uh, Hold On, I'm Coming and the list goes on and on. A lot of those uh, great songs out of Stacks that David Porter wrote, uh, Shaft. And the list goes on and on, and uh, we're proud to be able to honor uh, James Alexander, the last original Barkay and the Barkay Group and their legacy, and uh, it will be a throwdown. So uh, if you've never been to our President's Gala, that's the night before the game at the Peabody, uh, reach out to us, get your tickets now, and then there'll be uh, – a. A halftime extravaganza there on December 29th uh, with the Barquets playing in halftime.
0: And then I don't need spoilers, but coming up Wednesday, we have the announcement of the coaches for
1: the, uh, uh, the uh, high school All-Star game. We do indeed. Uh, that'll be Wednesday at the uh, Hilton Garden Inn there in Germantown. So we're ramping up. We'll be naming the coaches. Uh, the selection process is underway. So we'll be uh, choosing the rosters for this year's All-Star game uh, later on in November. And uh, Gabe, we're into it. You know, uh, you know, by the end of this week, we're, we're basically halfway through October already, which is scary. Um, yeah, oh my gosh. And, and now that we're through week six, he- heading into week seven, you know, you start seeing things move around a little bit as far as where our eyes may be and, you know, where teams are projected to be as far as bowl eligibility and who we might be looking at, so... Uh, it's time to to really saddle up for us at the AutoZone Liberty Bowl.
0: Now, I'll say, I bet every year you say, well, we zone in on what teams we think are going to be in the game week one. We're ready to – week zero, we're ready to go. But when does that start to dwindle down? Like, when do you guys really start to lock in? Is it around this time?
1: Yeah, we, we start uh, doing some serious projections as far as – records at the end of the year, and then you start looking at all the, the variables there. You know, I keep a running chart year over year of what teams went to what bowl games, when was the last time we had them, uh, who have they played, all of those different variables uh, that we look at. So now that we're heading into week seven, uh, you know, there are still a handful of uh, undefeated teams that got to 6-0 and this past week who became bowl eligible. Uh, so as we move forward, you know, we'll start uh, looking at what are the real possibilities, what's realistic for us, and uh, where teams might be. So, uh, starting this week, uh, we'll start uh, honing in on, on three or four schools at each right. conference. For us, the Big 12, the SEC. Um, you know, I've been at a game every week. Uh, I was in Oxford Saturday night, basically more or less uh, busman's holiday. Wanted to see our friends from Arkansas. They are our defending champions. and. Uh, had a check, had a chance to check in with them after the ball game. Uh, so it's game on for us. Uh, selection Sunday will be here before we know it, and then. Uh, the 65th edition of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, right around the corner. Hard to believe it's uh, coming up December 29th.
0: We'll start talking about it in weeks to come, but a lot of interesting options in you the bet. SEC this year. A lot of interesting options. Because
1: it's just, you have Georgia and
0: then a log jam everywhere else. That's yeah. that's what it sort of feels like yeah. at the moment. And Alabama, we'll talk about it sure. in a second, Alabama's starting to show their uh, flex their muscles at least a little bit. Um, but I have to I have to start with the Big 12 here and about to be SEC. I think yeah. it's about time we take Oklahoma serious. 34 to 30 in the uh, in the Red River rivalry and down the stretch. I, obviously, it was a busted coverage in the end zone there in the corner yeah. uh, that Dylan Gabriel sort of threw. Um, there was levels concept, if you will, threw it to the back guy, back pylon. Um, but that was impressive as hell. The fact they were able to come down, go score, win that game when they did.
1: Yeah, Gabe, no doubt. You know, a year ago at this time, uh, people were asking the question, will Brett Venables make it? Right. Will he succeed? Uh, I know my thoughts a year ago were strongly and going into this season, hey, these guys projecting them to the 2024 season when they enter the SEC were not SEC ready is the phrase I like to use. No doubt about it. They are a different team from top to bottom, from the coaching to the performance on the field, uh, to to just every facet of their program. They saw a year ago what they needed to work on, and it's like they have totally revamped that football program from mindset to mentality uh, to every facet of that football program. And now, you know, they're they're the top team in the – uh, Big 12, uh, I think we'll see a Texas-Oklahoma rematch in the Big 12 championship game. Oklahoma with the right. win over Texas uh, certainly moves themselves into a potential playoff position. Real college football uh, playoff are conversation. Are national championship material? We'll see. Uh, but that was impressive. And, uh, you know, you got to uh, give the tip of the hat to, uh, to uh, Gabriel, the quarterback. Yep. Uh, heck of a game, 23 or 38. Uh, 285 yards, a touchdown, uh, ran for 113 yards. And, you know, when you've got a quarterback that can do both, and, you know, kind of like Jackson Dart for, for Ole Miss, when you have a quarterback that can do both when you need him to do both, that's a really strong weapon. And, uh, you know, Oklahoma uh, going in there against uh, Texas there in Dallas on Saturday looked impressive, but no doubt Oklahoma and Texas – Clearly, the top two teams in the Big 12, and uh, they are both, no doubt now, SEC ready. Yeah. Impressive.
0: You had to look up with Dylan Gabriel's 113 yards in TD, yeah. and you said, damn, he really ran for 100 yeah. yards in this game, but he had a four, long of 44. That really helped yep. him. But you had to look up and say, dang, he really he yep. really used his legs, and I got to see him do that at UCF, and you know, I thought it was only a matter of time before he got it done at Oklahoma, but... You do see, while they gave up a lot of yards against Texas, you do see the Brent Venables defense starting to shine through. Three yeah. turnovers. They held on to yep. the ball. They they used ball security, and that's why they ended up winning the game. Three three turnovers. They had zero. That, know, that's and how that it works. Was
1: something that was something that was missing last year. Uh, and, again, when, when you see it time after time after time, when the head coach is a guru, one of the best in the business on either side of the ball, and then becomes the head coach, it's interesting how his coaching side of the ball that he built his reputation on often doesn't live up to right. the standard that he built his career on. Takes we saw a while. that with, with Oklahoma last year, uh, but boy, oh boy, they have turned it around, and, and Saturday against Texas, Really showed that.
0: And I hate to be the corny guy, but you have to build your culture first before,
1: before, before it do. starts to show. Um, and, and that's why fans and media often don't want to be patient. you got to be patient. And, you know, I always go back to Kentucky as the program and right. an athletic director uh, and leadership that was patient with, with uh, Mark Stoops and has paid off for them uh, at Oklahoma. Obviously, Brent was the guy they wanted. Last year was a dumpster fire. Yes, it was. Uh, but obviously, no quick reactions. You know, let's give this time. This is our guy. Let's let's give him uh, the opportunity to build his culture. Because yep. uh, obviously going from Lincoln Riley to, to Brent, totally different deal. Uh, and you see the, the fruit of that now. And I expect them to continue. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, you know, I, I did my projections, my serious projections for the first time. Uh, last night, I've got Oklahoma winning out. I got it going 12 yeah. 0.
0: I mean, they got what Kansas is only ranked opponent yeah. for, left for the rest of the year. Now they could you could get tripped up. Some of these yeah. teams are okay in the Big 12, but you mentioned they're SEC ready and they're headed next year. With where the SEC is right this second, because I, I I think you know hypothetically talking about it before the year, you'd say you know. These two teams, as much as we think that they'll be at the top of the Big 12, they're not going to be at the top of the, the, the SEC. They're not going to be competing with the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world. But when you look at it this year, where would you put – if they were a hypothetical yeah. 2023 SEC, where would you put Oklahoma and Texas? I can't see them any lower than third and fourth.
1: Uh, No, I'd agree with that. I would put Georgia one, Oklahoma two, Texas three, Alabama four. Those are my would be my top four Ou and Texas were in the SEC. Uh, you know, Texas beat Alabama. You got to put them yep. ahead of Alabama. Oklahoma beats Texas. Got to <laughs> yeah. put them ahead of Texas. Little team match. Georgia yep. still the kings of the hill. Um, so, again, they knew, and, and and in conversations with both Texas and OU people over the past two years, they knew they were jumping into the deep water. Come now, we know twenty twenty four moving to the SEC. They knew exactly where the deficiencies were, what they needed to uh, improve on uh, with their strengths, maybe strengths in the Big 12, but it's not good enough in the SEC. So they both have changed uh, their recruiting. They've bulked up on both lines, and we know the SEC is a line of scrimmage conference. And if you don't start there – You'll never have a chance, but both OU and Texas have emphasized that in their recruiting, transfer portal, everything. And as we go through the rest of the season, uh, again, OU-Texas, they're the dominant teams of the Big 12. I expect to see them in the Big 12 championship game. And come next year, they should be right in the mix. In the SEC.
0: They should be. They yeah. should be. Talking with the associate executive director of the Autos on Liberty Bowl, that would be Harold Grader on X at Harold Grader. Now, Alabama, it was just a strange – obviously, they barely week one yeah. out on the road against A&M, 26-20. Um, and, and offensive line, I, we've, we've talked about this, still does not look good. No. Six sacks nope. of Jalen Milrow. They couldn't run the ball. But finally – I felt as if that offense brought a little life because Jalen Milrow was brought to life. 321 yards, 3 TDs, 1 INT. You see the...
1: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They
0: are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so
1: that you can overthink...
0: Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. From talent, it's not always consistent, but that defense is very good, and if he can start to replicate this time, this type of performance, this is still a college football playoff-worthy team.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Alabama, and I know it's frustrating, obviously, for the coaches, but for the fan base to get off to the slow starts that they have gotten off to each and every game. uh, They have become a second-half team, and that switch isn't getting flipped. Uh, I thought after the second half of last week's game that maybe they had turned that around from a a mental perspective, a preparation perspective, uh, but they fell right into it. Uh, in the first half this this past week against a and uh, you mentioned the lack of uh, a running game. My gosh, Gabe, what, the numbers, 20, 23 yards on 26 carries? Yeah, just that, that That's mind-boggling. But just like we saw the week before, they go in at halftime and they come out like a different football team, mm-hmm. e- even, even on the defensive side. More aggressive. Uh, Milro gets it going. The offense gets it going. And, you know, looking at his situation, let's go back just a couple of weeks. You know, they sat him for the South Florida game. He learned his lesson, had some time to contemplate, uh, focus on, hey, the things I've got to get better on. And ever since then, yep. he's been a different football player. So I give the credit not just to him but that coaching staff to recognize, hey, look, We went through spring ball. We went through fall ball. Yeah, we brought in Buckner from from, uh, Notre Dame. But at the end of the day, going into the season, Milrow was their guy. He was stumbling around, couldn't quite find his feet there in the early going. But when they sat him down and got him straight, and now as they have progressed, uh, given the time to throw, Yep. He's tough. Yes. So he's there's no doubt. He is clearly their guy. He has stepped up his game. Impressive Saturday against AM. And uh, they gotta have him. He's their guy and they're performing, but still being the the old lineman that you are, I know yep. it's in your DNA, you never get it out of your system. There's there are still issues there, and that for me that is mind boggling. For a program like Alabama to continue to have those kinds of problems, but I give them credit. Pull the strings when they need to. Whatever they do at halftime is working, but but if they're going to play for the national championship and win a national, gotta championship. got to be more consistent. You, you got to be more consistent. Can't have continued uh, pre pre snap penalties Ugh. continue to be a problem. Yep. You got to solve all that, or you're you're going to be good. Very good, really good, however you want to term it, but you can't be great.
0: Yep, yep. I I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, but there's two guys I have to point out for Alabama that just impressed the hell out of me that jumped off the page. Jermaine Burton's been that guy this year. Yeah. And up to this point, you've been, there's been a lot of Alabama fans wondering, when is this guy going to show up? Okay. He transferred in from Georgia last year. When's he going to really show who he is? He has finally shown that. Nine catches, 197 yards, two TDs. When they needed a play in that AM game, he gave it to them. And I think all year he stepped up in those moments, big third downs in the red zone, that type of thing. And another guy, I have yet to see. And somebody somebody listen, if you if you're out there hearing this, you could you could go ahead and tweet me and tell me if you've seen a better true freshman than this. But Caleb Downs, yeah. their DB, their safety, yeah. he had a pick in this game. That's the best true freshman I have seen this entire season. And that does go to
1: show that Alabama can still go recruit with the best of them. It's still there. Absolutely. And, you know, not too many years ago, the fact that you would have a freshman starting period, much less a key position like like DB, uh, would be unthought of. But they, again, they do a masterful job evaluating talent. And kudos to them. Uh, for getting that young man, right, and, and the game that he's playing. I mean, you gotta go. You gotta go play. Uh, you can have all the potential in the world, but you gotta go play. And he's doing that.
0: Because you have to have the mental makeup, the mental fortitude, your true freshman year to be able to go straight in and yeah. start, especially at a place like Alabama. One thing that Nick Saban's always talked about is in recruiting, and this probably this rings true with a lot of people around the country and how they have to go about their recruiting. Yeah, you can get the five-star. You can get the high four-star, the guys with a bunch of talent. But he always talks about the mental makeup. He says that's more important than anything else. I'll get a three-star with the mental fortitude to be able to play in two years than a five-star who's you know sort of front-running, out there like yeah. that. So he does a good job of sort of recognizing who, who's mentally made up to, to make an impact early.
1: Yeah, and one of the things he talked about after the game the other night was, not everybody is cut out to play at Alabama <laughs> or willing to be all in in what he refers to as the process. Yep. and uh, you got to do that there. Um, you got to be willing to sacrifice. Uh, you got to uh, do those things. You got to do it the Saban way, and it's proven to be successful. Look at the national championships. And I think that's one of the things that they're still working on there with this bunch is to get everybody again to focus on doing their job on every snap, every play, and then have the cohesiveness as a unit to perform at the highest level. And, again, this, this young guy uh, is, is doing that so far. And to do that as a freshman, that's impressive.
0: Now, moving on to Georgia. Yeah. Their counterpart, I would have to say. Um, it, obviously, we know the schedule's not tough. Um, but they did play a ranked opponent this week. They did. In Kentucky. Uh, granted, at home. Um, but we've been waiting to see what this team's made of. The 11th ranked defense in the country after this week. But what was very impressive to me, 51-13 over the number 20 team in the country. And Carson Beck, that was if yeah. I if I could, that was a coming out game. Twenty eight for thirty five, three eighty nine, four TDs. He looked in tune, understanding, like he's gained some confidence, and he's trying now to, to sort of throw the ball into tight windows. He's gained the confidence to do that. I, I saw some really good, you know, pro level throws from him this weekend.
1: Yeah, never saw this one coming. Of the games that were on the schedule this past week, that was one I think most people were looking at. Yep. This is going to be a knockdown drag out. <laughs> I feel like it's every, one, of the, one of the best games of the Every year with Georgia and Kentucky. And we think. it was far from it. And Mark Stoops said, you know, they just they kicked our butt. Yep. Every phase of the game, uh, Kentucky didn't show. And they certainly didn't have a pass rush on, on back. And, you know, and looking at this guy uh, taking a step back, uh, Gabe, Uh, You got to take a look at the situation that this guy walked into this year follows Stetson Bennett, Mm -hmm. two-time national championship quarterback. And they say, okay, Carson, the show's yours. (laughs) We want championship number three. Yep. No pressure. And as you called it, kind of a coming out game. And uh, he answered the bell uh, in this one in a big, big way. Uh, call it a a coming-out game, Uh, call it whatever you want. But, uh, you know, kudos to him and impressive performance. As you said, big numbers, uh, over 600 yards in total offense as a team. And, uh, you know, he he looked the part Saturday. And, uh, you know, he wore Kentucky out. And, again, if this team's going to do what they want to do and the standard now has been set, you know, he's got to play. He's got to play at the highest level, and uh, he showed it Saturday, and that was impressive, and and, uh, kudos to him for for the game he played on Saturday against Kentucky.
0: And you know, I call it a coming-out party, but it is interesting. If you just go look at the top five passers in FBS college football, he is fourth. In in passing yards, <laughs> he's got eighteen hundred eighty six. Yeah. I think he has he has been good all year, but this week was there was something distinctly different about coming out, just imposing your will on that other team. And they didn't really run the ball a crazy amount. He was the one who had yeah. that offense humming in a big way. And I, I thought it was interesting. I saw this from ESPN Stats and Info. Uh, when he faced pressure, he became the third SEC quarterback over the last 10 years to throw for four touchdowns and complete 85% of his passes against the Blitz. Mm. So he he truly, and that's with Tua and Bryce Young. That is good company to keep if you're going to keep it at the top of the SEC. Um, now, at the top of the ACC, what? I, <laughs> I, I think you know where I'm going with yes, this. Yes, I do. What in the world? Was Mario Cristobal doing? Like, wh- what? I, there was a short circuit there. He played play in Georgia Tech up 20 to 17, and I think most people have seen it, but I'll go ahead and review it. There's about 40-some-odd seconds on the clock. He could have needed out if he wanted to. He decides to run the ball. Here comes a fumble. Two plays later, Haynes King delivers a ball right on target for a touchdown. Georgia Tech wins the ball game. And you have guys on the sideline, like you have an old lineman that that got sort of caught and his mouths were reading, what the F are we doing? What are we doing? He's crying. I felt bad for those guys. But you could have kept an undefeated record. You don't. It's because Mario Cristobal made one of the biggest coaching gaffes I think I've seen in a long time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's not the first time he's done it. Yep. He did it in 2018, I believe. Yeah, at Oregon. Yep. Uh, mind-boggling and 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 I've gone back and I looked at that video several times and just the look on his face is it's kind of a, a deer in the headlight kind of look like what just happened well well coach I, it, it to me it's it is the one of the most fundamental easiest simplistic things to do when you're in those situations you described it pretty well you know uh, you know tech didn't have any timeouts left, the clock's rolling. I think they finally snapped the ball with about 34 seconds on the game clock. So if if you wanted to run a play, quote unquote, versus taking a knee, have the quarterback, you know, run a, around, run around a little bit. By the and way, then, they and do then,
0: that. In pre- we do that. I, I can tell yeah. you on a Friday practice before Saturday game, you do that. You practice that. You know, do a rollout. You try to keep somebody up so you can you know
1: yeah. run run the clock out as best you can and then even the young guy that you know the person they handed the ball off to don't know who uh, what what his name was but you know just get to the ground don't fight for yards just hit the ground but but to call that play again it all goes back to the head coach and i i don't know uh, you know if, if you're the leadership there again not to jump off the deep end too fast uh but at some point you got to sit back and, and say what are what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. What do we have? Um, how in the world can you do that? Uh, and when you and you've been through it, you lived it, Gabe. right? The hours and hours and hours that coaching staffs put into game plans and and the practice and, right. and the execution and they had the W, had they it. had the W, it was right there for them, and to do that. Mind-boggling doesn't even begin to describe it. Unbelievable. He's a high-paid guy. I feel for his players. And that's one of those, I don't care if you live to be 95, those guys will never forget that. They'll never get over the hurt of losing one like that. Incredible.
0: It's going to haunt you. And it's going to haunt this team the rest of the year because you could have been an undefeated ACC team.
1: Yeah, I didn't look at the schedule. I don't know who they have this week. But that's one of those... You know, does they're gonna does, have North Carolina then Clemson. they have a tough stretch yeah, have, two two week have, stretch at okay. North Carolina then Clemson but, but that's still, the one just mentally yeah how do you get over that one
0: because what if you come out of the stretch here these next two games four and three and you could have been five and oh yeah. and like the confidence yeah. I can just tell you the confidence the mindset definitely switches when you go from undefeated yep. to with, with, with that one loss it's just you, you you may not play the same hopefully he can get the same out of them but I always said. Before the Mario Cristobal experience, there seems to be even at Oregon. And he did a good job at Oregon. I don't want to shoot it down. I think Dan Lanning's going is doing and is going to do a better job yeah. than what he did at Oregon. But there seems to be a cap on, on what, what Mario Cristobal right. can accomplish. And it's never right. been college football playoff. It's been 9, 10, maybe even 11 wins. Maybe a conference championship here or there. But it never seems to get to that college football playoff experience. Because he beat Ohio State a couple years ago, and then they went yeah. on and just sort of – I think they got beat by Utah embarrassingly in the in the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, I mean, it's just it, it's just sort of who he is.
1: Yeah, you know, great recruiter, can accumulate the talent, and as you said, he can only – apparently, apparently, <laughs> can only get them so far. Yeah. And when you do things like that, holy cow.
0: Yeah, you really start to question it. Yeah. Now – Last thing for you, we got to go yeah. ahead and put on the blue and gray glasses to you talk bet. about this one. Um, I know that there's going to be an SMU game, home game later in the year. Is this the biggest opportunity for this Memphis Tiger football team against Tulane on Friday night? Is this the biggest opportunity for the rest of the year?
1: I would say yes, uh, from several several uh, perspectives. Number one, uh, from a conference perspective. If you're going to win the championship, yep. or at worst be second, and to be in that championship game, you got to win this one. You got to win this one if you have any aspirations and expectations to actually win the conference regular season. Um, second point about this is from a from an opportunity. Friday night, national TV, yep. everybody's watching. And right now, as we speak, Tulane, with what Willie Fritz has done there, them coming off their big bowl win last year in, in a New Year's Six, they are, for most people, I think, the standard bearer the class. of the group of yeah. six. They are now the, the poster boy, so to speak, right. of who's the best team in the group of five. So not only is Tulane – the standard bearer in the American, they they are for the group of the group of five. So, big game for the Tigers. Good thing that uh, that uh, Memphis has them at home. Uh, you know, we saw what Tulane uh, did with uh, with Ole Miss. You know, if the quarterback doesn't get hurt uh, for Tulane against Ole Miss, Tulane might, might, might may have won that ball game, but it didn't play out that way. But big opportunity for the Tigers. They need a they need All you Tiger fans to be there on Friday night, and because you know, you know, Tulane's coming with the A game. Uh, They're really, really good. They're solid. Uh, Probably not going to beat themselves. So the Tigers have got to come ready for Bear. And and as you look at the Tiger schedule, uh, you know, after Friday night, they only have two more home games: South Florida and, as you mentioned, SMU. So they've got the next two are on the road. UAB, North Texas. Um, so they need to, to grab one, another one at home. And as you looked at the schedule going into the year, going into this game, I think most people realistically thought the Tigers would be sitting where they are, yep. which is four and one. Yep. If that one loss. Being think that's fair. In St. Louis against Mizzou, knowing that, okay, that's a loss, but it's out of conference. Now comes the big one in conference. And, uh, you don't want to say every game's a big game, but when you win and, and as you progress and being 4-1, and one, the more you win, the bigger the games get. And this is as big as it's going to be up to this point for Memphis. And uh, the challenge is there. Hopefully they can answer answer the bell, and uh, I think they can, but their margin of error it's smaller. is very thin. Yep. And, again, got to play error free ball. Uh can't help the other team. Uh the potential is there. Uh we'll see. Hopefully hopefully the home team can come through. And it'll, I was it, it'll be interesting. I
0: was very happy in that Boise State game. Um and I know that's a what's ancient history at this point. I was very yeah. happy in that Boise State game to see <clears throat> Seth Hennigan had had really good games up to that point. But never that when you need it is this guy going to be the reason right. you win. I thought he did that against Boise State by taking care of the ball and just delivering the ball on yep. target comfortably, right? Like I think that there was and they ran the ball relatively well yeah, too, did. which was finally a, yeah. Yeah, it was a great thing to see. Um, but hopefully Seth can do that against this Tulane team. It's going to be tougher, but hopefully Absolutely. he can do that. You got
1: to, yeah. Quarterback has got to play because you know their guy will be.
0: Yep, no question. Well, Harold, appreciate it, man. It's great catching up. We'll Same do it here, again next again week.
1: Welcome, congratulations on uh, being the new. Married man, and yes, I uh, wish you guys nothing but the best. Absolutely. Glad he, to be back with you.
0: Yes, sir. He is Harold Grader, at Harold Grader on X, Associate Executive Director of the AutoZone Liberty Ball. Now, from one thing to the next, it's time to go ahead and get into the Blitz. And in the Blitz, we had a big surprise over the weekend. It has to do with a Tigers basketball recruit. Curtis Givens commits elsewhere. That's next, 92.9 FM ESPN